to the Mission North Shore podcast. I'll tell you how I started this. Originally, when, when this thing um, kind of started, Tripp and I are totally different. He, he's, Tripp is more organized. I'm disorganized. And this message started off with the intention was to talk on death to self. That we need to die to ourselves. That, that's where I started off. But as I began looking at scriptures and, and as it developed, it kind of ended up, which really is the root thing, is that we're drawn to sin, each one of us. And that's why we have to die to ourselves, because there's this issue in our heart, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Is that in our heart, and that's why we need a Savior. That's why Jesus came. He was born and died. Why? To at least partially deal with our sin issues that He made a way that we can get out. Otherwise, we were dead. That's what the Bible says, that we were dead in our sins and our trespasses. Even though we were living, but we were dead in our sins, especially in our relationship with God. And... I hope that today, as we look at these things, because sin kind of has two faces to it, and that's why um, another kind of like subtitle was sin past and sin present. Is that when we become Christians, when we give our heart over to the Lord, the Lord deals with kind of our sin in the past. And not just all the individual ones, but he deals, as we'll see, with the issue in our hearts of our giving ourselves over, whether we knew it or not, to sin. That's how we lived our life, the way that we thought. And in Proverbs it says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. So We thought it was right, but the end result would have been death. And Christ as we'll see in Romans 6, has delivered us from that. So why don't we uh, just take a moment, we'll pray, and then we'll read here in Romans 6, starting in verse 6. Lord, we do ask that You would just impress on our hearts, Lord, the need for You. Lord, that it is a challenge to walk right before You. Lord, I think that we all understand that. And we need Your help each and every day. Lord, we thank You that You've made the way for us to deal with our sins in the past and also the provision and the power to deal with our sinful nature in the present. Lord, and we are so thankful for that. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, in Romans 6, starting in verse 6, and I'm going to read down to verse uh, 13. He says here, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would uh, no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer 
is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So it says here in verse 6, first of all, is that our old self, or in some versions it has our old man. Right? And the Bible actually talks a whole bunch about that, our old man or our old self. Who was that? That was the person that we were before we gave our heart to the Lord. Okay, and some guys are worse than others. But the Bible says in Romans that all have sinned. To God, some guys' sins are more obvious and more radical and heavier results. But the Bible puts everybody under that category that everyone has sinned in our own way and therefore separated from God. But this old person... It says here who we were. And I'm, I don't know anyone here, but I do know myself. And I can tell you that the new Butch, however many challenges that he has presently, is better than the old Butch that was around. Okay? And my motivation before was just for me. I'm trying now. And I've been cleaned up, and I can tell you that I'm better than I was. And obviously, our goal as Christians, somebody prayed this morning in our 8.30 time of prayer, that the Lord, it's a lifelong progression for us to be moving. But before I was a Christian, I didn't even try to be a better person. I was just who I was, that was how it was. Right? And is it that... The way that it is. Verse 6 said that our old self was crucified with Him. That we died. That's what happened when I heard the gospel and it made sense to me in my heart and I could see that man, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I'm not just a sinner, I'm a sinner in need of salvation. And the provision was there. And I didn't understand it all, but I knew that this was the point that God was calling me for that change in my life. And I wasn't sitting around. And, and everybody kind of has a different story. Where some people were pretty busted up. I was really happy with how things were going in my life at the time. No complaints. But you know what? That one night... The light came on in my heart, and I saw that I needed Christ. And everything changed after that. And if that old self, what happened? And, and in Romans, if you read in that chapter, that they talk about baptism. And baptism, water baptism, is kind of a symbol, as we tell everybody before we baptize them, of something that happened in your heart. 
and you get dunked under the water, who goes down under the water? Is the old man who's ever getting baptized. That old person gets dunked down, and what it signifies is that you're drowning that guy. And some of our friends, when we baptize them, we might hold them under longer, and, and that's a standard. If you're wondering what we're talking about in the water, if you ever, that's usually comes up every baptism, that you're really bad, so we're going to have to hold you down longer. And you know what? In a sense, what that means, and that's what happened, that's the picture that he's saying here, is that our old man was crucified. Our old man was killed. So that person is gone, praise the Lord. And when you come up, who are you? It's the new person coming up. Of That's what it signifies, and that's what the Bible says really happened. Our old self was as we were before Christ, guided and enslaved by our own sinful passions. Before we submitted to Christ, we were willing participants. Isn't that true? Willing participants in sin, but after salvation, Christ has been given control of our hearts and our minds, and we are changed. And something I did tell someone... One time, I was talking to a guy, and he had said the sinner's prayer. But there was no change. And I can tell you, if there's no change, there's no change. You're not changed, because when God and Christ comes into your heart, there is a change. God doesn't come in and everything stays the same. When He comes in, He changes things, and He begins to clean house for the rest of your days. So there will be some change when you ask the Lord in your heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. The one benefit of being a Christian is you get the opportunity to start all over again. Whatever things went wrong, whatever problems you have, the Lord gives us that second chance. And beside the fact, He just doesn't go, well, you got a second chance, as we'll see that He gives us the power now to lead a better life. So we don't end up in that mess or another mess. At salvation, the controlling power of sin is broken and rendered powerless over us. Before Christ, we were enslaved to sin, but we are now freed from the power of sin. So what he's saying here is that in Romans, that we were crucified and not just died, but you know what? Christ, through His work, broke that power of sin over us. That we're not enslaved. We don't have to be enslaved again. That's why it says here, that what? That we are, what was, in, what was it in the beginning? That we were dead to sin and alive to God. And I put that in because I kind of went, man, that's kind of a dreary message for the morning. But you know what? The sin part is the bad and bleak and black part. But you know what? The alive to God, and there's always 
God just doesn't go, okay, you're a sinner. I know possibly in some churches that's kind of the main um, issue, is letting everybody know that we're sinners. And, and I think over the last, who knows, couple thousand years, that people probably more than not got it. And that's half of it. But you know what? There's another side to it, that God doesn't leave us in our sin. He doesn't leave us there. That He made the way, and not only that, that He made the way for us to be alive in Him. The Bible says that Jesus said that He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And life is Christ, life in Christ is way better than life when we were enslaved in sin. Even though up front, there's some, maybe you think that there's a benefit. But if you know sin, like I know sin, there's always a downside to it. The up front part looks good. And I, I shared this before, that a saying that my wife told me, that she saw that sin keeps you longer than you want it to stay, and sin costs more than you want it to pay. And there's always that downside. But life in Christ is life. We can be alive and not dead and trapped in our sins. There's another side to the sin issue. And we know then, if we are dead to sin, why do we have such a hard time now from sinning? And just this morning, I don't know about, I mean, I, I usually kind of like air out some of my issues up front here, but man, coming here, you know, and this, uh, guys, I come a little late, but I was here early, but still, man, just my sin nature was coming up. Traffic, or, you know, there was all, I'm going, man, I'm giving a message on this, and here it is. That even though I'm changed and saved, but yet that sinful side of me wants to get agitated because somebody pulled in here um, going to the pipe masters. My, my, um, when the truck was pulling out this morning, our trailer, and I, um, Aaron was pulling out there, and it was dark still yet. And... We parked at somebody's house, and, and of course it's the truck, and then this big giant trailer, if you didn't notice our humongous trailer. But it, it, that thing doesn't just pull out on the road. So these cars were kind of coming. They were far away, I thought. So, um, and I'm the one waving Aaron, you know, to like go. So I'm like, okay, go, because Trip, Aaron was driving. Trip usually just like pulls out. But, you know, Aaron got a little more reserve to him. And... Aaron started, I, like, I looked and I went, okay, go for it. Go, go, go. You know, and, and then I kind of stepped into the road and this truck was not stopping. <laughs> okay, so I backed off and Aaron stopped. But you know what, just at that moment, I was kind of a little mad at the guy. In the, I'm like, what a idiot. You know? It's like he couldn't even... I mean, it's, you know, but whatever. 
But it was just before the message that I realized that, look, my sin nature is still at times alive in the right situation, isn't it? And that's the thing. If we're dead to sin, if we're changed, why do we continue to have the desire to sin? We still get angry. Right? We still get prideful. We still get jealous. Our feelings still get hurt. I remember John Corson, a pastor in the mainland, said an excellent saying. He said, dead men feel no pain. So sometimes when I get agitated or somebody hurts my feelings, I realize that I'm not dead enough to my own self. We still get angry, prideful, jealous. Our feelings still get hurt. We still get anxious, sometimes depressed. We still struggle with unforgiveness on and on and on and on and on. All the different feelings. And I understand that we're all alike. We're all human. And we're trying, we're moving forward. So there's a continuing conflict and sin present. So Christ dealt with sin in the past. That that bondage, that slavery was broken, but we realize after that, you know what, there's still this thing in me that kind of goes towards sin. What happens? Romans 7. I'm going to be reading, you can look there, 15 through 34. Romans chapter 7. Verses 15 through 34, and I found a really good kind of like paraphrased um, Bible verses. Okay, so I'm going to be reading. You can follow along in your Bible, but this is a paraphrased one. And he's saying here in those verses, What I don't understand about myself is that I decided one way, but then I act another doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more for if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decided to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's command, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expected, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. And there is no one who is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? Now I really love that paraphrase. 
And the Apostle Paul brings up in Romans 7 that dilemma. That we're trying, we're on this road to be pleasing to God and to be following what we read in the Bible. But at the same time, there's this dilemma that still within us is this thing that leads us on to doing the very thing sometimes that we don't want to do. But we find ourselves going there. A quote from that same book, the guy said, drawing from his own struggles about Paul, he brilliantly captured the inner workings of the human soul, the battle between flesh and spirit. And that's what it is. Our spirit, alive to God, wants to lead this life of righteousness. But our flesh wants to go in the opposite direction. The old man and the new man, right and wrong, and the difference between what we long for and what we settle for. I really like that. What we long for and what we settle for. The Apostle Paul's honest and vulnerable confession assures us that such a struggle does not automatically mean that we're unbelievers or spiritually immature. The intensity of our struggle, which feels overwhelming, does not invalidate our faith. So I guess part of it, one point, is that if you're struggling with that, that doesn't mean that you've lost your faith. That might mean that you're human, and we're all alike, and it's a struggle. Before we were Christian, we never noticed it. Why? Because we just went in that direction. Now we're trying And we're trying with the power of God, but I can tell you up front here, and I know back there, it's not easy. And it's a lifelong battle. We won't achieve that until we come 100% changed and sitting before Christ. As long as we are in this body, we will have conflict, and we will live in defeat if we try to do it in our own strength. Should we... Just resign ourselves to live a life of defeat. No. And that's what he said. Romans 7.24 Wretched man, Paul says, that I am. Because, why is he saying that? Because he's seeing that, man, I'm so frustrated with myself. I'm a wretched man because I'm going to come here to do the message. But you know what? This morning I probably have to get forgiveness for some, you know, that little thing of that guy not wanting to stop. But it was probably the Lord set it up just to show me, you see, Butch? Even if you're giving the message on this very subject, doesn't mean it's always there. And you always got to be aware of it. Paul said, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Romans 7.25 And that's one awesome thing about the Bible and what's awesome thing about God is He doesn't leave us there in our sins. And the answer, the solution to the continuing desire to sin in Romans 7.25, He says, but thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus delivered us from our old sin nature and He will continue to empower us and lead 
to lead a victorious Christian life after salvation. So Christ covers both sides of it. Sin before, got it covered. Sin after, got it covered. Jesus has delivered us from the power of sin before we knew Him, and He will deliver us from sin presently. Going into Romans 8, chapter 1. I mean, uh, Romans 8, verse 1. One of my favorite scriptures. It says here, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So following along, Romans 6. Look, we're dead to sin. Romans 7, yeah, but presently we see the sin principle. It's still working. I'm still sinning sometimes. I'm not giving over to sin, but I'm still having a hard time. Romans 7.25, the solution is that, you know what? Thank God, because Christ made that provision to deliver us presently from sin. Romans 8.1 is that, therefore, because of that provision, there is no condemnation. We don't have to sit around and go, well, woe is me. I'm still a sinner. Okay, I know that. Right? We're still sinners. We still sin. And more than not, we need to hang on to that promises of God that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. He says here, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have a treasure in earthen vessel. Who's the earthen vessel? Us. Now, you know what? We're imperfect earthen vessels here on earth. Why the Lord use the Lord set it up that way. Sometimes I wonder, you know, with myself, but even some of my friends, why, what kind of plan is that? Lord, you couldn't think of a better plan than to use people? People are the problem. But you know what? That's the amazing thing about God, that that's His only plan is that he's using imperfect earthen vessels. Why? As he says here, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. And you know what? That's kind of hard for me to take. I'm still getting used to it because I want to be really good and be able to say to people that, yeah, I'm doing really good. I'm the pastor, and I struggle. That's like a double. If you're like one of the, the, you know, the setup guys is one thing, but when you're the pastor and you're struggling, but I know that the Lord put me in that position for that very reason, because you know what? That's what He does. He puts us in over our head. Why? So that He can be glorified. If we make it, Bush can't go home and go, well... That was a pretty good sermon. Okay? I can't say that. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? So that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. And you know what? I guess that with those sin issues that we probably need to get accustomed to struggling. And partially I think the Lord allows that so that we depend on Him. 
And our desire is, Lord, if you don't help me, I'm not going to make it. And I know that for myself. I know that for everybody here. If he doesn't help us, we are not going to make it. Before we knew Christ and after. No less after you know Christ. Do you go, okay, Lord, I got this thing. Thanks. Thanks for the help. We need help all along. 2 Corinthians, let's read that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. It says here, Therefore do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. And sometimes I can tell you that it is a little disappointment to ourselves because I'm guessing and I know myself that once in a while I disappoint myself. But you know what? It's probably a good observation because I always think higher of myself than I ought to, like the Bible says. And you know what? The Lord knows us more and better than we know ourselves. Therefore we do not lose heart, though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. So hopefully our inner man, our spirit is being renewed and strengthened day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all compromise. While we look at not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So God is working on our side, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a responsibility. And just in closing, I want to kind of talk about that for a little while, that on our part, God's part is that He's there for us anytime we want. On our part, there's things for us to do. What part do we have in having victory over our present situation of wanting to sin? Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. It says here, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Don't set your mind on the things down. If you want victory over sin presently, part of what it is that we need to be doing, as he says here, is keep seeking the things above. Keep your mind on the things above, not on the things of earth. That's going to help us to have the victory. Romans, and you can turn there, chapter 6, verses 12 to 14 says, Do not let sin reign. The one thing in our hearts presently that we can do, don't let sin get a foothold. Don't let sin get a stronghold in your life presently. Do not let sin reign. Do not go on presenting your body to sin. Man, run the other way, the Bible says. We should know as Christians, we should know better. And I did hear a guy say one time, a friend of mine in being 
brutally honest, and he said that he did worse things after he was a Christian than before. And I promise you, Christians can sin as hard and heavy as any non-Christian. And obviously that's what the devil wants, is to trip us up. Do not let sin reign. Do not go on presenting your body to sin, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Some other things that we need to do. Romans 8, verses 4 through 9. Romans chapter 8, verses 4 through 9. It says here, the second half of four, I'm going to start reading. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those that are in the flesh cannot please God. So another thing that what's he saying here that we need to do is to what? Don't set your mind on the flesh, but set it on what? The Spirit. So God's Spirit is talk. set your mind on what the Spirit is telling you. I heard a little parable, I guess, kind of a little analogy, and I might have told it up here, uh, forgive me if you heard this from me too many times, but there was a story I heard of a guy that said, he was talking to his friend, he had said he owns two dogs and both of these dogs fight constantly. And his friend said, well, which one wins? So these two dogs fighting, they're always fighting, and his friend goes, well, which one of them wins? And he says, the one that I feed the most. And true, to us, and in our flesh and in our spirit, that we have both there. And the one that we feed the most is going to win. If you feed your flesh more, that is going to have the victory over your spirit. If you're feeding your spirit the things of God and the things above, then that's going to give you the victory over your flesh. Pretty simple, but not real easy to do. The Bible says we are then under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So in conclusion, are we just our challenge? Christ delivered us from sin. But we find ourselves still in this place where we're having that challenge of sinning. In whatever way, each one of us knows what our challenges are in sin. What are we doing about it? Depend on God's power to bring us the victory. But our part in it is to focus on the things above and not on the things below. Our part is to walk in the Spirit 
and focused on what God's telling us and not to give in to the flesh. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank You for Your grace and Your goodness. Lord, and I know for myself, and I hope everyone here, that our desire is to live rightly before You and before others. Lord, I do pray for those areas in our lives that's a challenge to us. Lord, and maybe presently we have been giving in to some of these sins. Lord, that we haven't been fighting that battle. Lord, that we haven't been yielding to Your Spirit. Lord, I do pray that this morning that You would impress upon our hearts the need to get right with You. We know in uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says that You are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, everyone that comes to You and confesses. Lord, I do pray for each one of us here that we would, this morning, if we're not already, that we would freshly commit ourselves to You, that we would freshly get cleansed of our sins and that we would depend upon Your power to bring us to victory each and every day. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to know more about our ministry here at The Mission, visit us online at www.themissionnorthshore.org. Thanks for listening and God bless.